0: everybody. This is Chris and Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's
1: P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Malone Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of Petability. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MetcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MetcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MetcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them, PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility, I'm your host, Kathy Simons.
0: And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives.
1: Hey Chris, how are you today?
0: I am excellent, Kathy. How's it going?
1: Wonderful. We're doing wonderful over here. Um, Hey, listen, I had an idea for this show today. Would you like to hear about it?
0: I would love to hear about it.
1: I think since this is our first show, we should talk to the audience a little bit about about introducing ourselves and telling a a little bit about what the show is about and who we are.
0: Well, I love to talk about me. How about you?
1: Oh, I love to talk about me. There's nothing
0: (laughs) better (laughs)
1: <laughs> but enough about you. What do you think about me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there you go, fan cut. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I think about our journeys. You know, our parallel journeys. And when did we meet? I think it was back in two thousand and three. If I do my math right, it's it
1: has been quite some time now. I would say probably two thousand two, two thousand mm-hmm. and three. At that time, I had just finished my coursework at the University of Tennessee in uh, canine rehabilitation. And I was getting ready to sit for my exam, I believe, when we met. So I was in the very first graduating class uh, at the University of Tennessee for canine rehab. And so that was really exciting to me because I was one of the first of 36 people in the country to to, to take the class, to take the coursework, and to sit for the exam. So it was an exciting time for me.
0: And it, not to be taken lightly. I mean, it is an arduous, grueling process to to go through that and get the certification, as I know from my experience a couple of years later, uh, but also kudos to you and your workplace for being so forward-thinking and being one of the first facilities to have rehabilitation, small animal rehabilitation in the country.
1: It was very exciting. And, you know, um, it didn't take very much um, discussion with our veterinarian, Dr. McMillan. You know, I had worked with her for many, many years at the MSPCA. At that time, I believe it was Angel Memorial Animal Hospital, but I believe it's Angel Animal Medical Center now. And um, she was the radiologist and I worked in the radiology department. And I felt like, you know, maybe this is, you know, I see a lot of dogs radiographically that are having that hip dysplasia, congenital, you know, problems, pain. Um, And recovering from surgery. And I think it was an easy transition really in from radiology um, and my continued interest in anatomy and function to sort of roll into canine rehabilitation.
0: I would agree. I felt that same way being a physical therapist for people. So I'd always known when I got uh, done with PT school at the University of Iowa. I'm from Iowa originally. So if you detect my nasally Midwestern twang, that is is why I try my best. But um, yeah, so I I went into orthopedics, sports medicine. Uh, Most of my PT career with people was... Uh, at the University of Colorado actually in their student health center and when I moved out to the Boston area in 2002 I thought it would be a good chance to maybe do something different my job in Colorado was very utopic but I thought this is a a great chance right moving across the country what what else can I do and I it was a very cerebral decision for me um but also an emotional one. So this is this is a true story. This is actually what happened. So I, I move out here. It's expensive to live in the Boston area. I didn't have a job. I didn't want to go right back into human PT. And so I found myself drinking Coke and eating Cheez-Its and watching Animal Planet. And <laughs> Animal Planet had just kind of started out at that time. And one of the first shows was Emergency Vets. And so I'm, I'm watching Animal Planet and I just start bawling, right, over the, over the – heart-wrenching stories nice. on emergency vets. And so I thought, I need to listen to this. You know, this this maybe is telling me something. So started investigating and lo and behold, that's when I learned that there was this certification. But I didn't feel like I had all the experience so that I needed to just enter into the program. So what did I do? I started calling around and I called our friend Kathy and you were like the only one to call me back i mean i only call like three people but you you were like excited you're like yeah, yeah come on over and i think i ended up volunteering over 200 hours yeah. uh, with you yeah. and in your wonderful facility and getting my my feet wet as they say and learning all about dogs and rehab and and then going on to get certified in 2004 so that's my story i'm sticking to it yeah
1: i was there i, I can vouch for it i remember <laughs> to one of, I, I was there one of the things that um that was an such a wonderful collaboration for me as far as you know i'm coming from the animal uh, veterinary side and chris coming from the physical therapy side is one of our very first patients was very dramatic we had a dog that was um what we would call i guess in human terms quadriplegic from um,
0: prince I,
1: yeah yeah I'll, mm-hmm. I'll use the word stroke in this case but but from a stroke-like event, um, and honestly, I think that it was the collaboration of coming from two places with, um, with with our expertise that was so important and instrumental in rehabbing this dog because we had so many ideas from so different, so many, you know, from my side and from your side as well as far as not only his uh, physical therapy plan but his medical plan. And then the other thing that was really important for him was how are we going to handle him as far as um, his emotional life goes. So you, you, we both got that. We both got that. Not only did we have to get this dog up and walking and get him back to his enjoying his life and his love of life, but also had to find a way to treat him medically. And we also had to try to find a way to treat him Sort of uh, in an environmental enrichment sense as well, and I think that all those pieces that came together for him were were instrumental in getting this dog to walk again. And I do remember the first day that that dog took a step on his own, unassisted. And I, you know, I was like, "This is great! This is wonderful!" And I went into the back office and just sort of collapsed in a ball and cried because Aww. it was just an amazing experience. You know, I didn't want to show so much, like, "Yep, nope." I knew this was going to happen, and I knew the dog would. I just didn't know when. And it was it was an overwhelming experience. And that dog got many, many more years of of good time with his owners, wonderful, wonderful people, um, and got many more years, many more good years.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think that was a a case that affected all of us, and there was a huge team, you know, as you implied, um, going into his care and support, and the owners were just – all in and wonderful and did everything that we asked of them and ironically you know you were talking about you know not a big leap from radiology to doing rehab and and nor was it a big leap for me doing physical therapy it was just applying that to a different species but what I did find interesting was that when I was working with people I was terrified of the neurological conditions, mm-hmm. uh, working with pediatrics, working with head injuries, uh, you know, working with spinal cord injuries and so forth. But when I have since worked with pets, I love the neuro component mm-hmm. because they get so much better so much of the time and so that rewarding. is so, so rewarding. rewarding, so yeah. gratifying. Yes, yes, I
1: agree. I agree. Well, I'm glad we met Chris. That was <laughs> And then I think shortly after that, I started treating a goose and I was like, hey, Chris <laughs> Well, my next so, station's a goose. Maybe you can help me with that, too. But so, um, it was wonderful collaboration. I agree.
0: And, and I kind of want to ask you because I went into, you know, my my path and how I ended up in animal rehab. When did you mm-hmm. decide to work with animals?
1: Oh, well, Chris you don't decide to work with animals you are you're called <laughs> to work with animals you don't decide you don't decide to, to- it's a calling. It's a calling. Um, it's a calling. Absolutely, okay. and I think that that a lot of technicians could probably vouch for this as well. Um, many of us are called. Probably not as many stay in as long as I have, because I'm going on probably 30 years now. You know, into uh, my veterinary technician career. Um, but it's definitely a calling. I mean, there's no there's no technician ever that said, you know, I'm going to get into this because um, I'm interested in earning a lot of money and working less, not very many hours, and <laughs> not right. putting in too much effort. There, right? There's a so lot of
0: a lot of burnout uh, with veterinary technicians, veterinary nurses for those exact reasons. And probably one of your survival skills has been that you have morphed from, you know, maybe being in the trenches in the early days to, uh, you know, seeking out this rehabilitation angle and niche and uh, getting a lot of, you know, satisfaction from that. Although there's compassion fatigue
1: in yeah. all that we do. But. In, in all, yeah, in all aspects of uh, if care, I believe there's compassion mm. fatigue. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the average lifespan, I think of Texans small practice is five to seven years. So, wow. so it's tough. Um, it's a tough job. And and I would say certainly, yeah, it's, it was it was a calling to me. Um, I tried other things. I was stunningly bad at it. <laughs> and I was always drawn back to, what? no matter what I did, I was always drawn back to animals. Um, but I have an, an ex- a, a, a drive and I also get excited and passionate about not only the care of animals but being their advocate. Um, and I also really have an interest in how I affect their lives or how their lives are lived emotionally. Like I not only do I want your dog to be better health-wise, um, I want your dog to have a good, um, good joyful life as well. And rehab was the perfect package for me because rehab is about function, but it's not all about function. So that's assessing, you know, not, not only assessing function, but assessing fear, assessing the dog's home life, assessing what the owner can do, assisting the owner and getting their dog back to um, the things that they love to do and instilling confidence and just, and just getting the dog back to, to their normal state, but also um, to a joyful state, you know, to enjoy their yeah. life.
0: Yeah. I I really like that. You use the word joyful. I think that's true. And, and what is joyful is very individual, you know, for the, for the pet and their owners and, and so forth. And, you know, one of the things that irritates me is that, uh, when I was especially a PT with humans and I finally saw the light, but you know, it's like, Oh, physical therapy, pain and torture, no pain, no gain. And that's so far from what we do because one of our first goals with any pet is to make them comfortable and, and less painful. And certainly for the person too. Now, sometimes there may be some discomfort as a means to an end, but as you were saying with the pets, the whole process too we try to make joyful in the sense that they don't know that they're exercising even, you know, they're getting treats, they're, you know, playing games, their lives are enriched. They get to go out of the house and come to the clinic or have a guest, me or you go into their home and, you know, hang out with them. And, and so, you know, the, the perspective from the animal, I think is very different than some of the psycho emotional overlay that we tend to put on these things as people.
1: Right, I, I completely agree because I I don't I, I rare I would probably tell you I don't get any. You know complaints from animals. You know because they can't complain. Of course, they can't tell you. Uh, but <laughs> but if you engage them in a certain way, they don't even know they're exercising. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun, and and with that becomes I think the same thing that probably happens with people. That exercise, you get that you get that serotonin coming. You know, flooding in um, all those chemicals that that flood the brain with happy juice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yep, um, I do. And happens with dogs, and there are oftentimes that you know clients will tell me that they get to the clinic. And, you know, they're two stops away from getting to the clinic and their dog's already, you know, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we're going to the clinic, we're going to the clinic because it's fun um, uh-huh. and and it's rewarding and it's stimulating and they get to have special time with their owners. So that's not only, you know, with you and I, but with their, you know, with their people as well. So, um, I mean, who wouldn't want to go and have the entire focus be on them, right? You get food, well, you get praise, you get...
0: <laughs> that's a given for you and me, of course. And, me, I know,
1: food <laughs> and praise and and, and love and, and telling you how great you are. Can you imagine if you went to the doctor and you showed up in the waiting room and somebody went, oh, Chris, look how great you are. Here's a cookie. <laughs> God, you look so great. You're good at everything. She <laughs> took a step. Yes, a yes. You're the best. You're totally the best, right? It doesn't happen, um, but that's what you know. That's what our animals um, enjoy, and that's how we engage them. Um, and it's all part for the process. You know, it's all part for the process of of instilling confidence and and engaging the dog and, and getting them to move. And it all relates to function. You know, it all relates to function and quality of life. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's what we're all about. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go a little off topic or in a slightly different direction tell me about you're you're from around here right yes actually meaning the new england area i should say
1: yeah i grew up actually uh the first part of my life the first very parts till i was about 13 in uh in white plains new york and Uh then from white plains new york my family moved to norton massachusetts and if norton massachusetts sounds boring to you that's because it is
0: (laughs) sorry all you norton massachusetts listeners
1: out there I, you know, I I loved it. It was great. It was rural. Um, it was just a shock for me because I'd grown up in the city and then moved to a very rural part of the, of the country in Massachusetts. And growing up in Norton was actually fantastic. It was just, you know, it was lots of land and lots of playing in the woods and lots of kids and lots of fun. And so ultimately, of course, it was the best, you know, movement Mm. we could have made. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a shock. Um, and then that's sort of where we, you know, my parents told me that when, if, if we moved from New York and we moved to uh, Massachusetts, I could get a cat. Well, long story short, I had four cats, right? Awesome.
0: Because <laughs> that was actually going to be my next question. It's like, four like, so what, right? what pets did you have when oh, you were growing yeah. up? And-, and
1: here's the best part. Those cats, my father kept saying, these cats are only here on a trial basis. And they were there on a trial basis for about 18, 19 years. <laughs> there
0: you go. There you go.
1: And that's kind of what... Um, I think that's where my, my sort of my journey began. That's where the calling started. You know, those animals were very central to our lives. We all love those cats. We all took care of those cats. We still talk about those cats to this day, Mm -hmm. um, and how they influenced us. And for me, it not only made me a more compassionate, uh, person or more caring person, or maybe, you know, even more empathetic, but, um, I think it just made me overall a better technician, you know, to have a pet and to have an, an owner of a pet and to understand the importance of that pet in the family life.
0: That bond that's yeah, created. That bond. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to ask you about, you know, maybe some of your other pets, cause I know you've had Guinea pigs, you're a pug lover mm-hmm. and, and so forth. So from the cats, where did you go?
1: Well, there's always been a menagerie of animals in and out of my home, you know, birds and guinea pigs and rabbits and so forth. But um, after I was married, my husband in 1999, we got our first pug, and that's that's pretty much when the world changed, Chris. I don't, I don't <laughs> for the remember, better, of course. I don't remember anything that happened after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's yeah, that became a different relationship. That was um, the very first dog that we had, Buddha. Um, and he was, God, he was amazing. He was that once in a lifetime dog, you know. Um, we just loved him like he was, you know, like we had always had him. And we were fortunate enough to have him for quite some time. We had him for almost almost 15 years. Uh, but he went blind at the age of seven, which was very traumatic for everyone. And this is sort of what inspired me to write about living with blind dogs. Um, so in 2000 and I want to say 2010, I started writing and publishing about living with a blind dog and what the experience was like for living with, with a dog that had a visual impairment. Um, and that was very cathartic for me as well because it was so traumatic for me. And I understand that, you know, for owners now that, that this is very traumatic for them as well. And, you know, I can see myself in the exam room many times talking to clients whose dogs have gone blind and telling them that, you know, their dog was going to be okay. And, and that's because I I truly believe their dog would be okay, but I didn't tell them how I didn't tell them how that process was going to happen. And so that's why it was so important for me to write uh, the book, blind devotion, enhancing Mm. lives of blind and visually impaired dogs.
0: Yes. And that is an excellent, excellent book. Um, I have recommended it to many people, whether they have blind dogs or not actually. And those, that have read it have come back to me unsolicited and said how much they benefited from reading the book, uh, how much it helped them, um, how well written it is, etc. So, yeah, you know, I'd encourage all of you to check it out. And mm-hmm. I remember Buddha very well. I guess I didn't realize that he was your first pug.
1: Oh, he was the first pug that we had, and he was oh gosh, he was the king. You know, I'd bring oh, him to work. Oh my goodness. He had people <laughs> waiting on that hand and foot that dog <laughs> had wrapped around his paw hand and foot.
0: You know what oh. they say about like, uh, you know, never name a dog lucky because they'll be very unlucky. Yeah. Um, but Buddha definitely, <laughs> um, you know, lived up to his name. That was a very apt name for him because like you said, yeah, it's love. like, you know, the fan and, uh, you know, feeding him, I'd say grapes, but we all know those aren't good for dogs, but you get the idea.
1: Yeah. You know, that dog never had a bad day in his life. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Um, You know, and and shortly after we, you know, about uh, eight or nine months after we lost him, we adopted a dog uh, named Chopper who we had in hospice care here for six months before he passed from uh, cancer. A also, another pug. Oh, pug, Sorry. wonderful, yeah, okay. wonderful dog. And then after Chopper, we adopted Digger, who was very much like Buddha. He was already he was already blind from sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome, and um, he had come up for uh, in rescue organization in pug rescue. And I and I don't think people, you know, there weren't a lot of applicants for pug for him because he was blind. And my husband and I were like, no, nah, we don't care. Yeah, you know, been gonna, there, done that. We've been there, done that, and we're going to take you know, we'll take him on. And um, yeah, he was a wonderful dog. Gosh, he, he was wonderful. And, and he adapted very, very
0: well. And Digger is the fodder for your children's book.
1: He was. He really was. It's sort of loosely based on uh, Digger's own adoption, the, the The book Watching Out for Digger. Typically, you know, I read to kids that are about like that four to six age. They're really all in on that. Uh, so the book is largely about you know the blind a blind dog getting adopted and and the story is happy of course because the family adopts him and they love him just you know just the way he is Mm. and when i say loosely based on his adoption i i do mean loosely because he wouldn't put up the real digger doesn't put up with shenanigans he's a straightforward guy right he's he's a straightforward guy but the digger in the story is um is having a lot of fun with his kids who, who adopted him and they didn't care he was blind they made the
0: accommodations that is a very i think appropriate uh Children's book, you know, in this day and age, and and it, um, accepting differences and yeah. understanding again that just because uh, whether it's a person or an animal is different, it doesn't make them less.
1: Exactly. And I'm and just because your dog is broken or just be sorry, not broken, just because your dog is blind, or deaf or in a wheelchair doesn't mean that they're broken and doesn't mean that they're not capable of being integrated into your family and having, you know, a a joyful existence or an interesting life. Um, So yeah, I think that I think that's an important message. And I hope it translates to how we treat each other. I hope it translates to how we treat people, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tolerance. So now, Chris, the, the bigger
0: question here is when are
1: you going to write a book about um, <laughs> and Julep?
0: <laughs> when are you going to? Uh, never. I don't know <laughs> if I have the the patience to actually write. And I've also been told that, that when I do write, it's very complicated writing, you know, big, long sentences with big, long words. And I don't know if it would be that enjoy enjoyable for, for folks to read, but. That's on the back burner. That's Uh, why I'm doing this podcast. I'm much better at talking than I am (laughs) at writing.
1: Maybe they should just put together a picture book that I think people would enjoy that.
0: There you go. (laughs) I I just learned about... Uh, graphic novels. That was mm. a whole new concept. Really. So yeah. So maybe I could do a, a Julep and Baxter, who are my little Cavaliers. So Kathy's breeder choice is pugs, and mine is Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. I always say it's a long name for a little dog. Mm-hmm. But um, on numbers two and three, they're the the twins, as I fondly refer to them. But yeah, maybe they could be the subject of a graphic novel.
1: Oh, they they're wonderful. I, <laughs> I adore them. I adore them. They're wonderful. They're wonderful, and and I think that the the, the combination of all of these experiences from, um, from having our own dogs and ther- coming from the physical therapy and coming from veterinary medicine just, um, you know, is, is what the draw is for, I think, both of us. You know, we, we have pets. We know that people love their pets. We know that they're part of the family. Um, and we can relate to that. And we can certainly empathize when, when people's animals are not well. So, Chris, I know you and I worked together for many years together at the Sterling Impression Animal Rehab Center. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about your journey? About after you left Sterling Impression, where did you, where did you, where did your path take you?
0: I remember that was a sad, sad day when I had to tell you that uh, I was, I was moving on. We, we were, we were breaking up. Crushed. I was crushed. <laughs> it was the Beatles. All no, actually, again. actually, you were very, very supportive because I got an incredible opportunity to start the physical rehabilitation service for one of the large emergency and multi-specialty facilities in the Boston area. And how I'd come to that place was that um, I actually worked with quite a few of the doctors in doing the case studies that are required for our sort of certification in canine rehabilitation. And so I'd kept in touch with them and they were, Growing, and one of their next steps was to bring in physical therapy to support their surgery, orthopedic, neurology, etc. departments. And so uh, that was in 2006, and I was there till 2009. And we grew the department from just me part time to four uh, practitioners. And so it was very, very exciting. And then I got wind that. someone in the community was uh, selling a business that she used to swim dogs and she didn't have any credentials in a medical or veterinary way, but it was somewhat of a turnkey business. So I purchased that in 2009 because it had always been my dream to have a standalone autonomous physical rehabilitation facility. And that was flow dog. And I successfully, Founded and grew FlowDog uh, over the years and incredibly sold that to Angel Animal Medical Center, who you referred to earlier, uh, which is the longest standing, continuously operating veterinary hospital in the United States, maybe in right. the world. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, that was quite a feather in my cap when they were interested in buying Flow Dog. And so that was in 2017. And uh, now I'm semi-retired and teaching workshops and podcasting and working part-time, uh consulting and at a holistic practice and so forth. So that's where I am today. What uh
1: what made you uh what was the deciding factor in, in wanting to do the podcast, Chris? Do you have any feelings about how we came to be, you know, pedibility? Do you have any Thoughts on?
0: I do have thoughts. I'd love to and- hear them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to Again, for me, things tend to be uh, rather uh, spontaneous, and it's like, hey, I've got some time on my hands. Uh, let's, let's do a podcast. So yeah, we were sitting over lunch one day, kind of catching up after you'd been on a a journey around the United States with your husband and, uh, coming back to the area. Is that right, Kathy? Is that correct? uh, Yeah.
1: It was a wonderful mm -hmm. trip. Mm -hmm.
0: And we were trying to think, you know, what's next for, for each of us? Because, uh, we're admittedly too old to be, uh, crawling on the ground with these, (laughs) uh, 200-pound dogs, and, and, and we're stooping over a dachshund in an underwater treadmill, uh, we've we paid our, our price, our dues for that, so, yeah, so the the idea of a podcast was born, and we've continued to, to work on it and bring it to this point, so we're very, very happy about that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm very excited about it, too, and um, I've always had, uh, I've always had, A great respect and admiration for your work your work with animals and your just your drive you know and so I was really excited when you said that you would partner with me when we were going to do this podcast because I thought yep this is this is great you know this is a wonderful collaboration for somebody who's in the top of their field and it was exciting for me to hear you say yeah I'll do that with you.
0: Aw, shucks, Kathy. You're going to bring a tear to my eye. Flattery. (laughs) I will get you everywhere. Um, Well, and, you know, it's ironic that you say that because had you not called me back, back in 2002 or whenever that was, um, you know, it's like a sliding doors moment. And my life could be drastically different if I hadn't been supported Along the way, but especially in those early days, because you and all the folks at uh, Windhover, which became Sterling Impression, um, hadn't had my back and helped me to to complete my case studies and get all those hours of of experience. You know, I, I know I wouldn't be here today. So, yeah. you gave me that confidence to to get started, and and here we are.
1: Thanks, Chris. That was very nice. Um, let me ask you this: in your in your lifetime here in your journey with animals, um, we went back to what I had when I was growing up as a kid. We did not cover what animals and pets you had when you were growing up?
0: (laughs) Well, to say pets. (laughs) I I would like, like, I'm
1: I'm looking for a specific story, actually.
0: (laughs) I I know which one you're after. I do. Um, Yeah, and I was going to say to say pets is probably a a little bit of a a strong word. Um, You know, growing up, uh, yeah, growing up, I had a variety of of cats and dogs, which were our family's pets, and of course, loved them, and, and it was a primary caregiver, you know, brushing and trimming their nails and training and, and all of that stuff. But growing up in Iowa, you often ended up with animals in your, your life, um, that maybe were unsolicited or unexpected. Um, I remember my uncle would go down in the well on his farm and he often came up with a salamander that he would then give to me. And I would, have for a day or two. And then I knew in order for it to live and survive that I needed to put the salamander back in the, the well. And then there were those, uh, I remember some family friends that had a turtle. And of course, uh, they no longer wanted to take care of it. So who did they call upon me? And then there was the neighbor who ran over the the rabbit's nest. And and so I, you know, tried to to care for the the bunnies that had survived and also had a, a big uh, white rabbit named Snowball for a time. But I know the the story you're looking for is about the duck, isn't it, Kathy?
1: It is, Chris. And I as we're talking, I'm not sure that you realize this, but that's there was your calling. You were called. That was it. <laughs> that was it.
0: Okay. Maybe I just don't recognize you didn't that. Answer I'm not the that phone. I'm it's not called. in tune. Yes. I'm not I'm not that in tune with, with those things. You so were yes.
1: yes I'd, I'd love to hear about your other pets. Yes. Yeah. Your other. So
0: I, I also had a duck for a time. And again, now you have to remember, this is like 1974, 75 rural Iowa. And a big deal was that our town, Jefferson, hosted the Green County Fair. And the fairs are a big deal. So you had all the livestock stuff, and I'd ride my bike down and go through all the barns. But then you had the the midway, right, where you had all the rides and the games. Well. Back in those days, you could pitch a nickel into a goblet and if your nickel stuck, you got to bring home a baby duckling. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So needless to say, I spent over $2 in nickels and got my duckling. And so I wrap him up. It's kind of like one of those ET moments where I'm in like my hooded sweatshirt and I I, I wrap him up in, in my my sweatshirt and I bicycle home and it's dark and my mom worked nights. And so I'm like, what do I do with this, this duckling? (laughs) So I get a shoebox and I get, you know, a towel and I make a little bed and it's getting late. And so I I put the the duckling who I named peep in my closet with the light on Mm -hmm. and go to sleep and thinking everything's fine. And I remember being woken up a few hours later and my mom's like, Chris, do you have something to tell me? (laughs) And this this duckling, I'm sleeping through, but it's beep, 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 beep. And out of the closet. And thus thus the name was very appropriate. But he grew into a handsome duck that imprinted on me and we'd walk around the neighborhood and you know, I went to the local ag store and figured out, you know, what to feed him and I built him this lovely enclosure for our backyard. And yeah. So you're right, I may have been called. And you got you totally got called.
1: <laughs> Totally got called. You got to answer that phone, girl. You got called. <laughs>
0: ah, well, do you think we blabbered long enough for our audience? I, I, they, yes, they know yes. us a little
1: bit better? I know, and I love that duck story so much. <laughs> I can't even tell you. I love that story. Yes, I, I think so. I think that this is a wonderful introduction for our audience and find out where, where we're coming at, and we're hoping that with our, with our combination of experience that we're going to be reaching you know, a, a wide variety of, of pet owners and, um, and, and be able to, to share experience with them.
0: Yes, as Kathy said, we're definitely excited to reach a larger audience and share our mutual and individual experiences that we've had over the years with various pets and animals in a professional capacity. Hopefully, you'll each learn from our expertise because, as our tagline says, we definitely want to help your pets to live their best lives.
1: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at
0: PetAbilityPodcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please go to EnableYourPet.com. Thank you, and please tune in next time.